0: Hear the word of the Lord. Second Samuel chapter seven, starting verse one. Now, when the king was settled in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, the king said to the prophet Nathan, see, now I'm living in a house of cedar, but the ark of God stays in a tent. Nathan said to the king, go do all that you have in mind for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord. Are you the one to build me a house to live in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent and a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about among all the people of Israel, did I ever speak a word with any of the tribal leaders of Israel "...whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep to be prince over my people Israel." And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, so that they may live in their own place, and be disturbed no more, and evildoers shall afflict them no more, as formerly. From the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your ancestors. I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come forth from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him and he shall be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will punish him with a rod such as mortals use, with blows inflicted by human beings. But I will not take my steadfast love from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, David had a good idea here. It's time to make a house for God. You know, it's, it's a logical progression. You know, we, we've entered into the promised land. We've defeated all of our enemies. We're all at peace. And look, I live in this nice house. It's about time we made God a house. Sounds like a good capital campaign to me. It's also the cultural progression, not only the logical one, but cultural. I mean, any good Canaanite king, the kings in the land of Canaan, any good Canaanite king knows he who has the biggest house for God has the biggest kingdom. So it's time now to speak the language of the people. Let's build a big house for God so that everyone will know God is for me. And I am for God. it's the natural act. It's even the, the biblical progression. If you look back, you don't have to. You can just trust me. Deuteronomy 12, verses 10 through 12. When you cross over the Jordan and live in the land that the Lord your God is allotting to you, and when He gives you rest from your enemies all around so that you live in safety... Then you shall bring everything that I command you to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. Your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and your donations and all your choice votive gifts that you vow to the Lord. Even biblically you could say, yes, it's time. We're we're in the promised land. We've been here. It's time to to build the house. And even Nathan, David, even he does all the right things Almost he pulls in Nathan one of his friends community a trusted confidant and Nathan this is my idea David go ahead. The Lord's spirit is upon you do what you have on your mind to do it's the next step right in the strategic plan of overtaking Canaan. It's a way to, to hammer it home that Yahweh is is leading us to fulfill the mission. It's somewhere in the midst of all of that, it seems that maybe they forgot to ask God. Do you want us to build you a house? Well, God answers. We're told Nathan that night. Through, through a dream, through a voice, through the, the way that Nathan was connecting with God, it, he hears from God, it's not time to build me a house. You can only imagine, or at least I can, you know, that God did a little bit of teaching with Nathan. You know, remember. Remember, this is what Peter's going to write in a while. For me, it's tomorrow. For you, it's a thousand years. But a day is as a thousand years to me. A thousand years is as a day. Really, time Is not what I live in, Nathan. Remember what the prophet Isaiah said. My ways are not your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Maybe even here David got a little ahead of God. It's an easy thing to do. Easy thing to to fall into that trap of, of playing God, of David working his plan instead of walking with his God. Sort of like Abraham and Hagar. Remember, God told Abraham, I promise you, you will have a son. And Hagar tried to have a son with Sarah, or Abraham tried to have a son with Sarah, and it just. Never was working. So Abraham said, you know, God, you promised me I'm going to have a son. So let me get Hagar. Which was a way for Abraham to play God. To work his plan instead of walk with his God. Maybe David was in that place where he was encouraged by his success. And by his peace. And had a little too much self-confidence. Always very dangerous. The most dangerous time. Biblically. Is when we're at the peak of our success. That is the time when. Story after story. The people of God fell. I spent most of my summers. At uh, camp. Uh, YMCA Camp Cosby. And. And. Uh, Great place, you know, Learn riflery, archery, riding horses, water skiing, canoeing, sailing, all the rest. And after a few years, I was getting pretty confident there. And I was loved archery. I was making my way on the bow up all the different, the getting all the certificates for uh, being a master archer at uh, at camp as a 10-year-old. It's a real dangerous thing to call a 10-year-old a master of anything. So I was up one day and I was pulling back the bow ready to get that super-duper master archer certificate. And shot it and hit the target. And right when I shot it, right afterwards, it just hit the target. One of the counselors stepped from behind the target. Because he was still collecting arrows. When you get a little confident, when you get a little too self-confident, you forget to Listen. To the one who says, Go. It's okay to shoot. It's okay to build. I think maybe that was happening with David, too. A little overconfident, a little too self reliant, working his plan instead of walking with his God. Just as Bill said at the beginning, you know, the expectation of that rich young ruler. Was not met. Because what Jesus offered him was relationship. And I think that's at the core. Really. Of our false expectation with God. Because what God wants is relationship. With us. God does not want us. To just believe in a list of promises. To to follow a a collection of laws. Or to to believe a a set of doctrines. It would be a whole lot easier, though. If we just had a list of things to follow. A collection of things to believe. It would be a whole lot easier if that was all we had to do. Because then, we would be in control. We would have it right there before us. No matter how big it was, it would be ours to control. But God does not do that. What God desires is a relationship with us, a living, breathing, vibrant relationship with His creation. And in that relationship, we will be surprised over and over again because God's ways are higher than Than our ways. They are different than our ways. He does not work. According to our. Expectations. Matter of fact. That is one of the rules of the relationship. Because it is impossible. Impossible for us to grasp. The fullness of God. And so we will always. Be encountering. Missed expectations with God. Always. Always. God will be surprising us along the way. Not because God likes surprises or something. The old practical joker. It's because it's impossible for us to know God in the fullness. And as He reveals Himself to us in our relationship more and more, we will consistently be surprised. And we've learned... From the, the Schindeldeckers, they've, they've shared us. What happens when we have expectations that aren't met? 99.99% of the time, right? That means conflict. Think about that in our relationship with God. Conflict with God. When God doesn't meet our expectations. Largely. We call that when bad things happen to good people. Happened this week. Our brothers and sisters at Crossroads Church, where a 23-year-old graduate student was a part of, of their Christmas proclamation of the message, fell to her death in the middle of their first service. Why and how, I don't presume to know the answers to the why. And to be honest, I'm always really worried when somebody else does. But I do know, and we believe fully, that God is present and redeeming in every situation, even when it's evil. And a 23-year-old falling from the rafters in the middle of a worship service is evil. That's just wrong. But God is at work in the midst of that. Even though He didn't meet my expectations. Because that's not what I expected. And I'm willing to bet that no one did. But as we've recounted a number of times here. That Romans 8 passage. That God is at work for good for all who believe Him. But we remember we have to redefine that good every time. That God will use everything for His kingdom. God will use everything, even evil, even death, so that more and more will hear of Jesus and that those that follow Him will follow Him more closely. God will use, not, not cause... I'm not comfortable using that word myself. I'm not smart enough, philosophically rooted enough to be able to use that word appropriately. But what I do know and what I see throughout the scriptures is that he will use everything that happens so that more people will turn to Christ and that those that do will be more like him. And what I do know, even in that situation, is that Carrie's family were deeply rooted in Christ and filled with the Spirit and have been some of the greatest encouragers of the the staff and leadership of that particular church and have encouraged them and asked them and blessed them, liberated them to move forward, continuing even in the face of such a missed expectation to continue to proclaim the truth of God's love as they... Share the Christmas story. If we learn anything from this, we have recognized anew that God's ways are not our ways; that we will get what we need, but not what we expect, not what we want. All right, let's go back to David and God. Go back, back to the story of David and and Nathan and, and God. And, and notice here, even though God want, David wants to get ahead of God, and God corrects David, that he does so with gentleness. There's no anger, there, there's no stumbling into to David's office. You're attempting a coup. You know, I give you an inch, you take a mile. Now, am I just your co pilot now or something, David? He comes in gently. He teaches, he corrects, and he leads. In a subtle way, if you go back and reread through verses 5 through 9, you notice how he calls David my servant? Just the perfect words there. You are my servant, not my fellow pilot. You are my servant. And he goes to remember, David, I haven't lived in a house since. I brought your people hundreds and hundreds of years ago out of slavery from Egypt. Remember who did that? And so now, you're going to be the one to build me a house, David. Remember, I'm the one that brought you off the fields of the sheep. And I'm the one that placed you as the king. I'm the one that have provided this peace for you. David... Let's rethink this plan of yours. Wait on me, David. Remember, walk with me. And the great thing, we don't have time, because I still want to look at a passage in Luke real quick. But if you read the rest of, the, 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 of chapter 7. What you find there, David responds in humility and love and adoration. He comes back to the relationship with the living God. He repents, he learns, and he grows. And he receives God's promise for David's kingdom. If you look at the very end. You look at the very end. As he's gone through, he corrects David, brings him back, saying, don't worry, your son's going to build a house for me. This is is my plan. This is how it's going to work out. And then verse 16, Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Now, how would you fulfill that promise? i got some ideas. Man, there's some real easy ways to make that promise fulfilled, that David would sit on the throne forever. Now, just a little secret. David, let me tell you how nuclear fission works. That would put David in power for a really, 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 really long time. Or just gunpowder. I'm gonna give you a little secret of how gunpowder works, David. Or better yet, give him a big screen TV and a brand new Wii. He'd control the world forever, then, because he'd have the ten year old boys, and that's how you control the world. <laughs> how would you fulfill that promise? David, your lineage will be on the throne of the world forever. Would this be your expectation? Luke chapter 1, verse 26. On page 831. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Don't you love that? Don't you just love some of the understatements of the biblical writers? An angel has appeared to a teenage girl and she's perplexed about this greeting. And she's doing backflips upside down, turned around, inside out. What's going on? An angel is talking to me. That is not what I would expect of how God to fulfill this promise to David. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. This is it. This is the fulfillment of the promise. Is it what you would have expected? It's not how I would have drawn it up, it is not the strategic plan that I would have developed. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary, this is where I feel good because I can relate to Mary here. Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Good question, Mary. I'm asking the same thing. And for her, it was even more pointed because she was a virgin. The angel said to her. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. You could almost say, for God will always... Confound our expectations. It's Christmas. It's the day that we celebrate this week. For which God will provide everything that we need in ways that we totally were not expecting. And get this, it's not because, again, God is trying to be unique or God is trying to find a new way, or that some way, way God's trying to hide the birth of Jesus so that the devil won't find out about it. I mean, there were angels singing. singing. You know, there were stars. The shepherds knew. The wise men knew. The devil knew. Now, it's because God's character is so different than ours. It's because it's the nature of God to do in the little things. God does grand, powerful things through the little people in the little ways. That's why Jesus talked about a mustard seed of faith. That's why he said, Blessed are the children. It's through the little ways and the little people. Through a no name teenage girl in a no name village in an animal stall with no address, that the Savior of the world was born. Because that's the very nature and character of God. To be, to put Himself in such a vulnerable place. And to put Himself in a place that demanded trust. And and that's how Mary and David both responded. Verse 38. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The mustard seed of faith. The nature of God who pursues the one lost sheep. The one lost coin. It's the little piece, little bit of yeast that leavens the whole loaf. That's the way of the kingdom of God that causes change, that brings transformation, that brings rescue to His world for all Of eternity. God provides exactly what is necessary. Yet not what we expect. As we walk in relationship with him. This is how God chose. To rip open the heavens. And come down. By planting a seed. In the womb. Of a little teenage girl. And through her. To give birth to his kingdom, even though he had no place to lay his head but a feeding trough for donkeys. As we walk in the same relationship with him, we are called to be the, the little people, the little yeast, the little mustard seed of faith the place where God has planted a seed of His kingdom to give birth and to continue to grow and spread in as simple ways as we like Mary and David respond in trust and humility and obedience. Now I need, to, I need to share with you uh, something. Uh, I need for you to play like Nathan. Because this is an opportunity that is before us, an, an offer that, that is before us, that may be God's work or, or maybe not. Be honest with you, within, within me, I'm like David, yeah, let's build this house. But I trust you to be Nathan for me, for us. I mentioned to you in a letter that I sent to you in October that the pastor at Wynton Hills Community Church, which is a Presbyterian church down the street, right across the street from Wenton Terrace, it's a public housing project down in the valley. Well, Wynton Hills Community Church is a Presbyterian church. They've been there for 30 or 40 years. Many of you probably know it because we as a church have had relationship with them off and on since their beginning. Well, a couple months ago, Chip Hall, who's the pastor there, asked me if we would consider merging with them as a church, if we would join with them in broadening our ministry together for a number of reasons, but they're a. Little church, primarily African-American in the valley. And we're the big church, primarily European-American on the hill. Is that God planting a seed of the kingdom? Or is that David wanting to build the house before God says so? We know a day will come... When we will all be a church together. We will stand, kneel, fall on our face before the throne of our king together. Is it time to begin living that out now? Is it, is it now that the Lord's prayer is, that is going to be fulfilled? Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is that time before us now? Is, that, is it God's timing Is this planting that seed of the kingdom? It won't be easy. Matter of fact, it will be really hard. Certainly not what I was expecting. And I doubt any of you came in this morning expecting that that might be the seed that God is planting. It will take a while for us to pursue that and explore that discernment. But I ask for you to join with me now as Nathan with David. God, is this your work? And is it your time? Is this the way that you are calling us to continue to fulfill your kingdom? If so, then lead us. If not, then show us the way that it is. Amen.